Hi, I'm Aubrey Charette. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Please subscribe for updates and new episodes to this podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Join us each Sunday at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Facebook Live. Be sure to like or follow our page while you're there. You turn with me this morning to Hebrews chapter 2. Chapter 2 today, if you have your copy of Scripture with you today. If you have your uh, version Bible app, you can turn there. We have an event set up for you. We're going to begin a brand new series today that will extend for the next three weeks on the topic of drifting. And I'll tell you a little bit more why in just a minute I believe this series is critical for us in this series of Lent, this series as we journey towards Easter, towards the cross. But I want to begin uh, with Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. This really is just one verse, but it's a foundation for us today and throughout this series. And so I want to begin just with this one verse together this morning. Hebrews chapter 2, these words written to believers, primarily Jewish believers throughout the region, throughout the community. It's these words. It says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore. To what we have heard, so we do not drift away. Again, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so we do not drift away. Most of you, uh, if you've been with us before, you know I talk often that the New Testament was not written in English, it was written in Greek. So because of that, we often have to examine words that don't necessarily translate, and that word drift In the Greek, it means not a sudden crash, not a falling away, but it means like slippage, kind of like sand slipping through your hands. Drifting is not sudden. In some ways, it would be easier if it was, but it's subtle. It's gradual to drift. Ultimately, that's what this series is about, drifting. Because the truth is, the truth is, we don't become who we are on accident. You, you definitely don't become who God wants you to become on accident. It takes being intentional. And we just came out of a series talking about who we are as a church. And we spent one specific week of the series talking about what does it mean for a church to be relevant. And it's easy as the church to kind of embrace culture and recognize that we're called to minister to the culture in which we live. But, but if we're not careful, if, if we just kind of go with the flow of what the culture around us does and what the world around us does, we begin to drift. Today you may be saying, why, why does this matter? Well, it, it matters because drifting impacts everyone. Drifting impacts us individually when we choose not to fully obey God. His desires for us. We've been talking this year a lot about this idea of obedience. And our word for the year is go. And and what we're finding out is that word go is a lot to do with obedience. Daily, moment by moment. And in some ways, in some ways, one of the greatest enemies to obedience in your life is drifting. It impacts not just us individually, it impacts those around us. Uh, this is heavy stuff, but, but as I was a youth pastor here for, for 10 years, I was on staff at HFCN as, as our youth pastor, and I love it. 
I, I love it. And I love uh, being a part of ministering to, to all generations. But one of the most heartbreaking things for me in youth ministry was not necessarily watching students make difficult decisions and sometimes uh, unwise choices. That was hard. One of the most painful things for me as somebody who, who tried to minister week after week to students was to see not, not the results of their actions, but the results of other people's actions and their impact on them. Often, sometimes the decision that mom or dad was making, the choice that they were making, and how that would impact the student, choices that they had nothing to do with, yet they were forced to bear the consequence, the result. So drifting doesn't just impact us, it impacts everyone around us. Because we drift, other people are left to pay the price. But drifting, it impacts our churches, right? It impacts our churches. Slowly over time, we drift from what the Word of God says, even just a degree or two. And we begin to adopt a theology. Not really the theology of of God and His Word and His truth, but our own theology of what we think and what we believe and what we think is best. and, And what the culture and the world around us thinks and believes is best. And so if we're not careful, as a church, we begin to drift. And one day we look around and we are nothing like the church that God has called us to be. We look nothing like the church that God has commissioned us to be in his word because we have drifted slowly, subtly, bit by bit. So when we come back to these words in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, this matters. This matters for us. I want to look at it again, if you would. If you still have your Bible open, it's just one verse. One verse, but right there in the middle of that verse is a word. Let's read it again. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. And if you're ever reading scripture, if you're ever reading and there's a therefore, you know it's pointing back to something that was just said. And so if I were you, and I were listening to me about a message on drifting, right there in the middle of this very important scripture was the word therefore. I would want to know, what does that therefore mean? Well, if you turn back to Hebrews chapter 1, we see that uh, Hebrews 2.1 is, is significant because it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, this is a command from God's word, but it's really the first command in the book of Hebrews. If you look at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews is not really formatted like many of the other uh, epistles, uh, letters that we read in the New Testament. It's really formatted more like a sermon. And so because of that, uh, look with me, just the first two verses of Hebrews chapter 1. We're not going to read all of it, but in order to understand the therefore, we've got to look back to Hebrews chapter 1, don't we? And so look at the author of Hebrews, how he begins Hebrews 1, just verses 1 and 2. It says, in the past... God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. He's pointing back to the Old Testament. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he has made the universe. In some ways, Hebrews chapter 1 begins much like the gospel of John begins. John's gospel says it this way, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And in some ways, that's how Hebrews chapter 1 begins. It goes on to speak about who Jesus is and what he's done. And I would highly encourage you to spend some time reading through these first verses in Hebrews 1. But on the screen behind me, I've just highlighted a few things that Hebrews chapter 1 says about Jesus. 
Because that's what Hebrews 1 is. It's just, it's glorifying, uh, praising, drawing everyone back to this idea of who Jesus is and what he's done. And so in Hebrews chapter 1, it says uh, that Jesus is the heir of all things. In verse 2, that he's the creator, that Jesus was part of the creative process of God. That Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, we see in verse 3. That Jesus is the representation of God's nature. That Jesus is the sustainer. Jesus is the purification of sins. That Jesus, he's at the right hand of the Father, we see in verse 3. That he is greater than any angel and he is worshipped by the angel. That Jesus is, we read in Hebrews 1 verse 8, the mighty God. And this is a beautiful declaration of, of who Jesus is. That's the message of Hebrews chapter 1. It's not a command, but, but it's just stepping back to, to acknowledge that God has spoken through his son. And Jesus is the creator and the sustainer and the owner and the ruler and the redeemer of all creation. That's who Jesus is. It's a beautiful declaration of Jesus. And then we get to Hebrews 2, verse 1. After all of that, after all that kind of beautiful reminder of who Jesus is and what he's done, we come to Hebrews 2, 1. And it says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard. So we do not drift away. Because of that, because of what you've heard, because of, of what Jesus has done and who he is, we must be careful. We must pay the most careful attention to what we've heard. And so this morning, I want to share with you two principles. They're not my ideas. They're right out of Scripture. They're right out of Hebrews 2.1. And these are not just kind of a one-week, uh, ooh, that was a good thing. I'm going to write it down and remember it. I think these are principles that over the next couple weeks, we'll continue to come back to. I think for those of us that are struggling in this area of drifting, I think these are two principles that can really guide us and lead us and lead us back to redemption. That's God's desire for us. So they'll apply very much to Hebrews 2.1, but in the weeks ahead, we're, we're going to talk about very specific ways in which, if we aren't careful, we begin to drift. And we're not going to talk about, over these next three weeks, some of the major things that you may think. You may think in the next couple weeks, oh, we're going to talk about pride, because that's a big one, right? And we're going to talk about lust, and, and not just lust as it relates to sexual things, but lust is just the desire of the here and now, and I want it, and I want it, and you may think that those are the, but that's not the things that we're going to talk about in the weeks to come. In fact, the things we're going to address over these coming weeks are the things that, if we're not careful, are acceptable, the things that, that are okay, the things that, that we receive and accept as, as okay in our lives, and if we're not careful, some of them may be uh, okay, they may be good things, but they take us away. They distract us from God's best. And so over these next few weeks, these two principles that I'm about to share relate very much and will challenge us and continue to help us grow in this area as we address drifting in our lives. So principle number one, when it comes to drifting, what is it? I believe principle number one is that focus matters. Focus matters. That no matter who you are in the room today, no matter if you come in here and you've known Jesus your whole life, maybe you're a committed believer, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Maybe you came in and you're a skeptic and you're doubting and you're, we're so glad that all of you are in the room today. But each and every one of us in this area, focus matters. It matters. What do you listen to? Whom do you listen to? We are all listening to something, driven by something, in step, engaged with something in 
our lives. Augustine said it this way, that you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. That, that you and I are created and there is a restlessness within us. And that restlessness is going to grab onto everything and anything it can, but it will never find rest until it finds rest in him. Because the reality is that we are all turning to things in our lives. And that's why in Hebrews 2.1 it says, Therefore, because of this, because God is speaking through Jesus, that's what it says in Hebrews 1. Because of who Jesus is and what he's done, that's what it says in Hebrews chapter 1. Because of this, we must pay careful attention to what we have heard. Because focus matters. Because our restlessness, our restless hearts are going to focus on something. And the writer is saying, pay attention, tune in, remember who Jesus is and what he's done. There are a lot of voices. There are a lot of messages. There are a lot of some good things, some bad. Some things are good, but they aren't best. Some things are, are distortions of the truth. Some things are what you want to hear, but in the midst of it all, focus matters. Matters. I brought a visual with me this morning, I think, that illustrates this idea, at least in my brain. Some of you, it will shock you because you know me well enough to know that I'm not very handy and you're very impressed that I even have a tape measure. I dusted it off this morning. Thank you very much. But I do, and I even kind of sort of know how to use it and what the numbers mean. But I'm not super handy guy, so I'm not going to come up here and tell you some story about when I was building my house, you had to cut the, I, don't, I can't even fake it. I don't know, okay? But this is what I know to be true. This right here is important. Why? Because it's, it's a standard. It's not a standard. It's the standard. Not like mine's better than yours, okay? But, but seriously, right? If you want to measure something and cut something, 20, 24 inches here is the same as 24 inches on yours. At least it should be. If not, something's going wrong, right? Because it's the standard. No one ever has to ask, 24, well, this is 24 inches on mine. How about yours? You want to, right? if, if, if this is doing its job, if this is serving the purpose for which it, it was created to do, there, there is a standard, and it measures the standard every single time. The problem is, for people like me, for people like me that don't really know what I'm doing sometimes, and, and I need to cut 10 boards that are all 24 inches, and so I know you measure twice, cut once. Somebody told me that once, so I do that. I measure, I measure, I cut it. It's 24 inches. All right, I got it. Pull the next thing out. And, you know, it always gets caught or it does the wrong thing, gets bent the wrong way. It's a pain in the butt. But, but I measure it again, and I cut it. I got two boards. And then I start to get pretty smart because I'm thinking, you know, this, this thing is a pain. So I'm saying, I've got two boards that are 24 inches. Why do I need this anymore? So I take board number two, and I lay it down, and I measure that, and I cut that one, and board three, and, board, and on down the road, I go until I get my ten boards complete, except there's a problem. The problem is for board number one and board number two, I had the standard, and I measured it well, and I cut it right, and they measure up to the standard, but the problem was somewhere along the way, I decided to use something else as my standard. And because of that, ever so slightly, not, not obvious, I would, if it was obvious, I would have caught it, but just ever so slightly, one sixteenth of an inch at a time, the standard begins to change. 
And so while board number one and board number two are looking good, and maybe board number three doesn't look that bad, by the time I get to board number ten, I have something that's very different than the standard that was set. That's why, that's why Hebrews 2.1 says, oh, pay attention to what we've heard. That, that focus matters. Every single time, focus matters. And so today, in the areas of our life where there is drifting, the question I have for you is where is your focus? Because focus matters. Next, I want to tell you uh, another principle. It's not just about focus. I think that's important, and you're going to hear about that time and time again over the coming weeks, that our focus matters. But it's not just that focus matters. Urgency matters. In the areas of drifting, in the areas of our life where we contend to drift, it's not just that focus matters, it's urgency that matters. Look again, look again, just one verse in Hebrews chapter 2, it says, we must pay the most careful attention. That's really awkward verb structure in English. That is not the way you would say it. You just say, hey, pay attention. Hey, be careful. But in this kind of awkward Greek construction, we translate it, we must pay the most careful attention. But in that, you have to understand the writer wants us to know there's urgency here. This is important. This matters. This is not just a matter of convenience. This is not just a backup plan when your plan doesn't go well. This is not just, hey, when I've tried everything else and it fails, let me try this. No, there's urgency here. And for some of us today, this is a wake-up call because we've been drifting. And, and today, you don't need to be fearful, but you need to be urgent. Do you see the difference? That, that we don't need to say, oh, am I drifting? And we start to become afraid. No, no, no. But instead, we need to be urgent because we understand that this matters because drifting isn't sudden it's slipping away subtle i have another illustration it's a little ridiculous so uh i think force is going to grab it for me and bring it up if i had it here at the beginning no one would have heard anything that i've said so far and you might not hear anything else i say again but uh, here it is because i want to talk to you again we're talking about drifting right and i'll talk to you about this idea of urgency matters and so this is not the most flattering thing that i could put on on a sunday morning uh, but I want to illustrate my point, and some of you uh, will remember what I'm about to say, uh, or you won't. You'll just remember that I'm wearing a ridiculous floating. Um, that's what you'll talk about today over lunch. But listen, okay, if you're a parent, maybe, maybe if, if you're not, uh, you've probably been lured to a water park at least one time in your life by children that you love. And if you're a parent here today and you love water parks, what's wrong with you? I don't understand you. I, I, I'm, I'm, I love you, but, but I just don't get that because to me... Uh, you know, do I like water parks? Well, my kids do, so I like it because I like them. But, but if I was honest to you, they are, they're not the place where I would want to hang out. Uh, you know, but you go in there, and it's, I mean, the chemicals are so strong. You can, like, cut them in half, and there's all the smells that are happening in the, well, I don't even know where they're all coming from or what's causing them, but it's just, I mean, it's just not, it's so hot and sticky, and so, so I'm just here to tell you, it's, you know, it is what it is. But, but there is one redeeming place that every parent knows, and if your kids get old enough, and they're old enough that you can kind of send them off, yeah, you go, do, you go climb the 700 flights of stairs to do that slide for 30 seconds. Yeah, you go do that. I'm going to get in the lazy river. Now, some of you, you're getting blessed because you know what I'm talking about, right? right? It's the only, some of you without kids are like, I don't need kids to go in the lazy river. That's where I'm at. And here's the beauty of the lazy river, right? You get in, 
And you don't have to do anything. <laughs> you just lay in there. If it's not busy, you could just float around for hours. They could close the place down, have to usher. All right, you got to get out. You got to get right. You're just floating along. It's like your happy place. Like, ah. Just for a minute, you can drown out the noise and the smells and the other things. And you just, ah, floating along. Some of you are like, someone could just bring me a beverage. You know, I, could, I could do it all right, floating along in the lazy river. I'm, I'm tracking with you. I enjoy that. But, but here's the challenge for us, that our journey of faith is not the lazy river. Our journey is not floating along in the pool. In fact, in fact, the lie that we believe is that it is because the truth is, the truth is that in that moment when you're drifting along, you don't have to do anything to drift. You can just lift your feet up, get in your tube, close your eyes, and off you go. The challenge for us today is that's not the call for us as believers in Christ. The call for us is not to just hop in the lazy river and drift along. The truth is that in God's kingdom, there is no such thing as standing still. Because the moment you stand still in a lazy river, you're ushered off following the current, drifting along. There is no such thing as standing still. In God's economy, in his kingdom, what I want you to know today is that if you're standing still, you're drifting. If you're standing still, you're drifting. Just like in that lazy river, right? You get in and you stand still and you can't stand there for long because you just get rushed along with the current of everyone else that's floating along. And while it's easy, maybe it's subtle. Maybe you don't even realize that you're doing it. When you are standing still, you're ultimately beginning to drift. You see, as believers in Jesus Christ, we've been called to swim against the stream of sin. We have. That against the current of sin. If you're standing still, you're, you're drifting. There's no such thing as being stuck in neutral. That We're called to swim against the current of injustice and indifference. We're called to swim against the stream of what everyone else is doing all around us, what the culture and the world around us accepts as the status quo. We are called as believers to swim against the stream. And so, so in God's kingdom, in his economy, if we're standing still, we're drifting. Over the years, I've, I've gotten to walk with men specifically in our church. I've never met one man that came and met with me. Or I've never heard the story of a man who, who, who's struggling. And I've never met one man who said, you know, I just woke up one day and decided I don't want to be faithful to my wife anymore. I want to ruin my marriage. I want to throw all that away. I've never met one man that said it like that. You know what they said? They just began to drift. Maybe unintentionally. Maybe without realizing it. But day by moment by moment, one choice, one decision at a time. I've never met a man. I'm not picking on men today. I just, I've been where you are. I've walked with men before, and I've never met a man that said, you know, I really want to throw away my life and my family by just diving into lust and pornography. That's really what I want to do. I've never met a man that would say that. What happens is one decision at a time, losing focus, lacking urgency, we begin to drift one decision, one moment at a time. We think maybe we begin, and it's because we're not really pursuing God's best anymore. We think we're standing still, but if we're not careful, we begin to drift. And before we know it, 
we've turned to other things. Before we know it, our focus becomes on other things. We've allowed other things to become our focus. We've become uh, urgent and passionate about other things. Time after time, I've seen in the lives of men and women, all generations, students, young people, when we think we're standing still. They thought they were indifferent. They just began to go through the motions, and before they know it, they begin to drift. Urgency matters. And in case you think Hebrews 2.1 is just kind of a standalone verse, I, I want to conclude today where we'll begin next week. And that's in Hebrews chapter 12. If you're not familiar, Hebrews chapter 12 is, is a much more well-known passage of Scripture. It's one that many, if you're familiar with all Scripture, you've heard these words before. And so as we conclude today, and as I talk about this idea of urgency, as I talk about this idea of focus in regards to drifting, I want to leave you with words that maybe you've heard before, maybe you haven't. But they're powerful words and a powerful reminder to us in the midst of of drifting. It says this in Hebrews 12.1. It starts with therefore. Now we just don't have time today to get into that therefore. But we can. We will. But it says therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles. That's really what this series is about. Hebrews 12.1. That in the weeks to come we want to throw off the sin. But we want to throw off. Everything that hinders, everything that entangles. It says, therefore, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith. Some versions say the author and finisher of our faith. In case you thought Hebrews 2.1 was just kind of going rogue, doing his own thing again here in Hebrews chapter 12. We're reminded to fix our eyes on Jesus. Focus matters. And we're reminded to run the race set out for you. Not stroll along, not walk, not skip, not get. We are, we are called to run the race. There's urgency in that call, isn't there? As we throw off. Everything that hinders, the sin that entangles. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, we run the race marked out for us. Today, some of us in the room, this is a heavy topic. Some of us in this room, while I'm talking, in your mind, you start to feel all kinds of shame welling up within you. You start to feel like, like, I don't measure up. I'm not, if we're talking about the ruler and the standard, I don't measure up to that, Adrian. I'm not good enough. I know because I'm preaching to myself. Hard for me to preach a message about drifting and not be convicted of the areas in my life on a regular basis that I get just a couple degrees off course. Daily, weekly in my life, I sense the Lord inviting me back to focus on him because if I'm not, I, I cannot be the man that God has called me to be. And so today, I'm not preaching to you something that God is not wrestling with me, but, but today, we serve a God. We serve a God who loves you. 
We serve a God who does not want you to feel condemned. We, we are reminded in the book of Romans that there, are, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We're reminded that his kindness leads us to repentance. And so today, if you're feeling an overwhelming amount of shame rising up within you, that's not of God. Today, one of the most encouraging things I could say to you as we prepare to close is no matter where you are today, no matter how much you resonate with these words, no matter how much you feel like you've drifted away from God's best for you, we serve a God that pursues us. We don't serve a God that stands off. That's the image that we get, that God's kind of a lifeguard on the shore, and, and he's back there, and he's disappointed, scoffing at us as we veer off course. That's not the image I want you to have today of your heavenly Father. Why? Because what does Hebrews 1 tell us? Jesus. He, he was at the right hand of God. He was equal with God. He was powerful, and he was, he was involved in creation. And, but, but, but Jesus came. Why? Because we serve a God who pursues us. He doesn't stand off in judgment and condemnation. No, he, he pursues us. And he didn't just pursue us once. Today, he continues to pursue. And so no matter where you are today, no matter how far off course you think you are, no matter how deep your hurt and burden is, no matter how much you think compared to everyone else in the room that you are much worse or much more messed up, or that's not true today in the God of the universe even now pursuing you. We believe at Church of Nazarene, we believe in what's called prevenient grace. You know what that means? It means it's grace that pursues us. Grace that goes before some of you. God loves you so much that you stumbled in the room today, losing an hour of sleep. You still came. And the message today is on this topic. And that's not by accident. That's not by chance. It's because his prevenient grace is pursuing you. No matter how far you've run, no matter how many times you feel like, God, I keep getting off course. The God of love and grace and mercy pursues you today, and he invites you. Keep your eyes fixed on me. Keep you, come, come on, get your focus back on me. The shame that the enemy wants you to feel, I mean, I, I've covered that in my blood. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. That's what Jesus would say to you today the God who pursues us. In just a moment, we're, we're gonna sing a song. We're gonna pray. We're gonna pause and be still, something that we're not really good at. So as, as this song is sung, some of us in the room, we just need to bow our heads for a moment and we just need to pray and we just need to say, God, search my heart today. Where is it that I'm drifting away? This is not legalism. This is not check the box. But this is a relationship with God that he is, he is inviting you. He's pursuing you, drawing you back into right relationship with him. And some of us here today, we just need to pray. And we need to just bow our heads for a minute and, and remove distraction and invite God to speak to us. Some of us just need to be still. Not worry about what's happening around us. Not worry about what's going to happen. In five, but, but just in this moment, just pause and invite the presence of the living God to speak to us. Let's listen. Let's respond to the voice of Jesus pursuing us. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at a beaconofhope.org for any questions about our church. 
We have two gatherings every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and a third gathering at 11.45 in Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every Monday night at 6 p.m. We're at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia, and we would love for you to join us. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.